1: From of Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Derek O'Shea.
2: It's Michelle Geraldine McAvoy.
1: And you're all very welcome for our holiday Yule Tide special.
0: Yay! Masha
1: Oh, girl, I got So, what kind of Christmas plans do we have? Is it a marshmallow world in the winter?
0: No, I'm going to Louth, which is very rarely marshmallow world. I might, I might though, I might because I'm going up to visit my, my wife's family in Louth. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to my cousin's wedding in Prague. So I'm hoping to get a Nolug gial or a Nolug somewhere. Oh,
2: very nice.
1: Nolug Fuivrat is one of the terms in Irish for a white Christmas, and it means a Christmas under a blanket of snow.
0: You know, it's so beautiful, okay. isn't it? Just just to be carpeted in snow, wouldn't it be lovely? Mm-hmm. It's completely and totally impractical if you have to work, but if you have a few days off over Christmas, it's beautiful.
1: I think, I mean, I know even when it starts snowing, even though I think about how impractical it can be, it's always a little child inside that thinks, yeah, snow, I stick out my tongue and I get a little calog schnocked on it. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it is. There's something about snow, I think. For Irish people who aren't used to it, yeah, it's it's the most, everybody reverts to a child like, oh my God, did it snow? Did you look outside? It snowed? And mm-hmm. you open the curtain and there it is, that little pathetic bit of snow that gets
0: <laughs> And you ring your cousins in America and they're breaking out snow chains and they're <laughs> using the space heater to clear the driveway yeah. and salting the roads and yeah, and they're going, oh, did it snow? How cute. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, but then here it turns into ice straight away, so it was just hell on earth within like two days. But like, yeah, no, it's lovely for the first like three days. <laughs> Bring it down the tone very quickly there. I
1: <laughs> Whenever I see, I think one of the most depressing things and one of the things that oh, sums up a, a childhood in Ireland in the nineteen eighties to me is snowflakes falling and melting when they hit the ground. It's like this is like a this is like a metaphor for like our soccer team. <laughs> <laughs>
0: With, with the snowflakes of Irish grandparents is not it yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes
2: yeah but there's always that lovely hope that I think Irish people have that oh, it might stick just it might maybe it will stick is it sticking mm. it's not sticking but it might start to stick soon just keep it, watching it, 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 it's <laughs> never
0: it's never a question of will it snow
1: it's will it stick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if if Denmark a um, draw with Russia and if Russia <laughs> oh, Denmark
2: but we did have that really good snow a couple of years back. It was actually today on my, you know, that Facebook, they like to Memories. tell you how old you are, um, <laughs> repeatedly tell you about the passing of time. It was 2010 I believe that it was a really heavy snow and yes. we made an igloo in my garden at home and my dog slept in it for a couple of days. She loved it. Wow. Um, we had oh, one god. of those, my dad's a postman so we had a little box that you put the post in and we made bricks out of those and then we constructed an igloo and it lasted for a good week before it kind of like totally melted and was not safe for habitation after that. But. Oh
0: god. I god. I was working in Temple Bar that year mm. when the big, big snow was down and um, the the uh, the pipes in the building froze, oh. so we had to go next door to the Irish Film Institute to use the toilet. But I, I'm i an honest sort, so every time I went in, I had to buy a coffee, because the toilets are for customers only, and I couldn't not be a customer in this mm. toilet. Yeah. So I drank a lot of coffee, which meant, consequently, I had to use the toilet a lot.
2: Vicious cycle. So I was, it
0: was a vicious cycle. I was in and out. I spent so much in the IFI that year, and I didn't even see a film.
1: <laughs> the... The Big Snow, the 2010 Big Snow, is also the same. It happened around the same time as the Iris Robinson story broke.
2: Yes, I remember that. Which Iris
0: Robinson story? There's so many. The The great one. The The big (laughs) story.
1: For those of you who maybe are from further afield, Iris Robinson was a politician in Northern Ireland in the DUP, who was married to Peter Robinson, another politician in the DUP, who was heir to the throne when Ian Paisley retired. And she was known for her extreme homophobic beliefs, which she based on Bible extracts. The passage of the Bible, which she based her homophobia on, a few verses down also commented on infidelity also being bad. And it turned out that Iris, who was in her mid-50s, was having an affair with a 19-year-old lad. Oh, it doesn't matter what age yeah, he I is. mean, It's oh, just the more, hypocrisy of it. More power to more her More power her
2: for, to yeah. Iris for, you know, getting yeah. her bit like but It was just the <laughs> fact that she had been so adamant yeah. about... Uh, homosexuals being an abomination was her wording and it was just like I don't know if, I mean yeah it it was a deliciously smug moment (laughs) and I really enjoyed it and I got a good go off of that for a good while yeah because she (laughs) was the same, the exact same like Bible verse and the punishment for homosexuals was the same as the punishment for adulterous Mm. and yeah it was just deliciously smug.
1: It was just an alarming situation. It turned out it wasn't just the old knee shakers. She also financed and arranged for him to win a government tender for a coffee shop.
0: Oh, yeah. She wasn't just like, I mean, God, God, we would never really like get at someone that much for just being unfaithful to their spouse. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we tut and we cluck and we, oh, isn't that awful? But like, she was actually just genuinely corrupt. Yeah. That was the issue.
1: Yeah. It was the hypocrisy and the corruption that
2: was the major issue.
1: But most important of all is it was a gas story. We all enjoyed it. <laughs> we did, yeah.
0: <laughs> the misfortunes of others keep me warm <laughs> on these cold, cold winters.
1: We could use another you know, gas story from Northern Ireland at the moment.
0: Well, for a while we had a wood pellet story. They moved <laughs> off the gas to
1: the... <laughs> That's not the same. See, I consider that to be... I mean, it's almost... For me, that almost seems to be predicting a United Ireland. That's exactly the kind of low-level, mid-like... Championship level corruption that, you know, like, you know, not quite Premier League corruption. It's just like low, low level stuff. I don't
0: know. It was pretty spectacular corruption in that you could see parts of Fermanagh from space because they were <laughs> so warm at <laughs> nights. Like, there was just, they, they, they showed this infrared map of wow. Ireland, uh, no. the island, and basically parts of Fermanagh and South Tyrone that were benefiting from the RHI cash for ash scandal were glowing.
1: That was the Lad Flag Bible uh, photoshopping shit post. No, no, you know? there was,
0: there, no, there, 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 I know I saw the photoshop where they lit up the whole of Northern Ireland <laughs> and all that, but there was, there was a temperature gauge taken of the island of Ireland and there were parts of Fermanagh and Tyrone that were supposed to be uninhabited that were lit up like Las Vegas. Like, I know I'm the,
2: all for like environmental protection and that, but like I'm jealous of that because I, love being warm I love going going home to Leash with a big dirty fire and I just sit in front of it Mm. and laud the heat it's just so nice I hate living in my Dublin apartment that doesn't have an open fire for me to burn all of these awful fossil fuels I love it so much I'm very jealous of their heat in Tyrone and Fermanagh
1: There's something about an open fire isn't there there's something about a turf fire and you know and particularly at this time of year when it's cold outside when the windows are frosting up and you're decorating the tree. A bit of dusty Springfield on there on the radio, coming mm. back, you know. And the crackle of wood as
0: it snaps and burns in the open heart.
1: There is something like that. And when you're putting a decoration on the tree just as the door opens and a family member walks in and you smile at each other.
2: I have laugh. a lot of it very different experiences. I just <laughs> <laughs> stand with my arse to the fire, <laughs>
0: like roasting sh- myself. Sh- sh- bad circulation. <laughs> yeah. She's bad circulation.
2: Till it's, uh, til it's uh, too hot to stand there anymore and then my trousers mm. are a little bit painful and then <laughs> kind I'm of, like waddling around. But like we all do that in turn and then they're like get away from the fire you're blocking the heat. <laughs>
0: and then, yeah,
2: bad circulation is the argument.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the beautiful image that Derek just conjured up and Guardian just ruined. Basically. Obliterated. Obliterated, yeah. 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 Sorry about it's, that. it's why like we, you know, we. We don't say home sweet home and I should say Neilane Tinton where the hinton on and the tinton is the fireplace, the mantle, mm-hmm. and that is the centre of the home place where yes. you feel most welcome, where you feel most warm. And it is it's lovely. I love I love an open fire. Mm-hmm. I'm an environmentalist. I shouldn't love an open fire, but I love it. I read a brilliant article by George Monbiot a couple of months ago where we're being conned into thinking that we need to tackle environmentalism all by ourselves, whereas in fact it's governments and corporations mm-hmm. that need to be made to do it. So that's mm-hmm. my logic for still having an open fire <laughs> it's my century. responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, with you, I'm also, I'm burning a lot of biomass that I just cut down in my own garden. So I'm kind of, I'm also using that one as an yeah,
1: excuse. Yeah,
2: that's a good excuse. I like that.
1: Yeah, there's a datach, obviously meaning smoke, also was a, a synagogue for, for a house, for like a hearth. The idea was that, yeah, like a, that a place where the smoke came from was a household. Mm. That there oh, were people yeah, sharing nice. a fire and that was what made them a home.
0: And that's one that predates the idea of any kind of organized settlement in Ireland, because we wouldn't have had towns or cities until the arrival of the Vikings in the late eight hundreds, early 900s. Um, that nine hundreds. Um, nine hundred eighty country, eight exactly. Exactly. No, that was Dublin. <laughs> that was Dublin. But to be fair, now there is strong archaeological evidence that they had a huge settlement in Anaghassan County Louth even before Dublin. Even though nine eighty eight is a little bit of an estimation, it was one of the greatest tricks Dublin City Council ever pulled. Was like, lads, we need to celebrate Dublin being. Around about a thousand years old. Let's do it right now and <laughs> declare it to be exactly one thousand years old. It was great. Dublin was great in
1: '88. I was in school at the time, and I just remember it was an it was a really really big deal, and everyone was into it. And the people who weren't into it, they were what I call the two thousand and one millennials. You know, they were, they were actually this. And, you know, like, yeah, <laughs>
0: just enjoy it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was something, and everyone got behind it. I remember, like a teacher of ours, he made he made a booklet of all these old Dublin songs, and we all learned them off by heart. And my mom found out we learned the words to Monto, and we didn't know they were. Blanton we didn't know there were single. <laughs> single <entendus>. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: he took his Martin and lost her up in the furry glen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's was, it was, it's it's a phenomenal song. And then actually, in years later, actually, I was living in what would have been Old Monto. Yes, uh, where were you? Up yeah. in
0: Fenian Street, around, that neck, of around the woods? that neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was um, it's all gone cool now, which is it's all offices now, it's all
1: avocados and giant glasses and repeal jumpers now. <laughs> anyway, Clodagh, um, Christmas memories. What was your earliest Christmas memory?
4: My earliest Christmas memory? Probably when I was about five or six and getting Sylvanian families and my dad struggling for hours to construct it in the kitchen. The poor (laughs) man trying to make this plastic windmill and then me like nearly in tears not being able to play with it. (laughs) But like, you know, we got there eventually.
1: Sylvanian families are fantastic.
4: They are the best. I would happily play with them still, honestly. And they're just, they're so timeless too. Like, I mean, I've passed all mine on to my cousins now and they still love them, you know. So they're really, really fantastic.
0: Do you still get to play with them?
4: No, I don't. I don't. I'm considered too old now.
0: You should go and visit your cousins. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the only reason I want kids. I always wanted Sylvanian families. families, but my stupid gender normative parents... God, Sylvanian families are
2: pretty gender-neutral. They're know. marketed to girls. But I think. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think my dad was still trying to live vicariously through me, which is why I was getting a rugby ball instead oh, of. Okay. Mm-hmm. I still <laughs> have
2: my Sylvanian families. There's no relatives of mine getting them. They're mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not keeping them for kids either. They no, I kept mine. my
4: favorite. I kept my favorite family, and I think I kept like I think I kept the Wimble actually, and passed on the school and the house. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I had. No, that that good
0: was prioritizing yeah, good prioritizing industry over education. Yeah. It's...
4: yeah. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I got um I, I got Lego. I got a lot of Lego every Christmas. That was my favourite. Getting a new Lego set, At Christmas like Lego. Lego is timeless go. too. Ah, the mm-hmm. Lego pirate ship. That was just the stuff. That was class.
1: Lego is just it's I guess it's, it's it ties into so much what we think about Scandinavia, just the actual very child centred society, the excellent design and you know, just and the, and, and the, the pirates. Yes. piracy. Pirates, yeah. Piracy, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Vikings, pirates, all f- that. Like the Lego company actually got themselves into trouble a couple of years ago, economically or financially, because their toy was so good, it didn't need to be replaced every year. That's when they started doing the Harry Potter tie-ins and things like yeah. that. I heard
2: mm-hmm. they were actually losing money, and that's why they went into the movie franchise, because it was mm-hmm. like all or nothing. They were They Because, like you said, I mean, I still have Lego from when I was yeah. a child, and it's still, still fits, fine. it's, it's still, perfect. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. need anything. It's incredibly piece. difficult yeah. to wreck a piece of Lego. And mm. they're really expensive to buy the new bits and you don't mm. get I feel you don't get as much as you used to get. But yeah, it's a it's a great toy. But yeah, they're, they're now in fairness their their movies are fantastic. Their yes. their Lego for adults is oh super my God.
0: cool as well. Like, their I video love that. games yeah, The amazing. video games are so brilliant. Mm. They're so self aware.
4: I vividly remember when I was 10 in fourth class, our teacher deliberately made us make a list on the whiteboard of all the gifts that we were getting, added up the total to make us feel really, really guilty, told us how much we were making our parents spend. And it was just it like, I'm not sure how necessary it was for 10 year olds, really, you know? <laughs> like to be
0: given that kind of life lesson. Yeah, like- <laughs>
4: it was kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure if I still see the purpose of it, you know?
0: When I was 10, all I wanted for Christmas was a game called Police Stop. And it wasn't a computer game or anything. It was this little tiny plastic game that ran on batteries and it had a little policeman moving from left to right. And if you shot his gun at the right time, then these criminals that were popping up and down would, would pop up. It was I thought it was the best thing ever and all I wanted was this. And my parents tried to say, oh, you know, you can have more, you know, because this, <laughs> this thing costs like 12 pounds in totals. I was like, you could have a little more than that if you want. And I was like, nope, all I want, all I want. And my parents, being dutiful and good parents and all that, went and spent Way more than that on all other sorts of crap, as well as getting me this little plastic police stop game. And all I wanted was that police stop game. And I played with it for weeks and weeks. I, I don't think I opened anything else they got me that Christmas. And, uh, you know, they didn't realize that I had no clue as to the value of money. Like, uh, all I wanted was this this little game that I could play away with. And I think kids, kids don't realize that, mm, like, yeah. it's, for better or for worse, they don't realize that how much is being spent on them at Christmas. I bet you're spending a fortune this Christmas and... I don't know if it's yes. even going to be appreciated. Well,
1: <laughs> the thing is, it's it's interesting when see Lostaria what what toys she likes and what toys she doesn't like. At the moment, she likes toys that have dangly limbs and things like that that she can grab mm. and play with. And so her favorite her favorite teddies are the kind of the skinny ones that have very long limbs to play with. Mm. And that's it's interesting. She she does actually also has a kind of toy piano and she loves whacking it against the wall and oh, yeah. and playing it as well. And so she really enjoys that. And also, yeah, we have a rotating lampshade as well, which has um, woodland creatures on it. And she likes pointing at the woodland creatures oh, and laughing. Super so cute. Oh, just oh like
0: Sylvania Family. Oh yeah, it's
1: it's uh, Chris Judge, the Irish artist. Is uh, oh, Yeah, he, yes. he, it's his design, and it's excellent.
0: Beautiful. Yes, yeah, so you are going to
1: spend a fortune at
2: Christmas <laughs> 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 They're worth it. Yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah. I, I, I'd i go into debt at Christmas time. I just love Christmas. I love buying mm-hmm. gifts for people. I really elaborate wrapping gifts like mm. protocols I can't do it all at once because they take so long like I have half of them done now and um, I have a theme every year and it's yeah It's really elaborate. I've got ribbons and bows and everything. And I will make my own Christmas tags. Yeah, I take it to the next level.
1: You're organised. Yeah, I am (laughs) organised. Yeah. I just love Christmas presents.
2: Yeah. I bought last year, I bought my my boyfriend, his birthday is Stephen's Day, really (sighs) inconsiderate. I might point that out. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, So I bought his Christmas present in June of last year. Now, in fairness, I did buy him. uh, Do you remember that Nintendo... The, they, re, the no, not the Switch, the NES. They oh. rebrought out the one that they, oh, the their original the one. So yeah, I yeah. had to order it in June, so I bought it in June, and I was like, I got your presents sorted, mate. Like, but yeah, yeah. no, I'm I'm hella organized with Christmas presents. I will buy some in January. Like I'm that freaked that oh. buys Christmas presents in January.
1: The Irish word mulador means procrastinator. It is a masculine noun. Of course it is.
0: Mm. That's the kind of gender stereotyping we can all
1: get on board with <laughs> <laughs> and Willador, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it's all like that. Yeah.
1: The um is it called Saint Stephen's Day in Finland?
2: Uh, they don't do Saint Stephen's Day. Their <gasps> Christmas is on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day is kind of a you just kind of it's their kind of version of Stephen's Day. I don't I think it is like it obviously is Saint Stephen's Day, but it's not a holiday like so they don't.
1: Can you tell us about um the Finnish uh present givers?
2: Yeah, Finland is like if you've ever met a Finn, you'll understand now once they explain this why they're so dour. And hate having a crack <laughs> because they're so obviously there's a an innate connection between Santa Claus and and Finland, and their Santa Claus Yolobuki means like y- Yule or Christmas goat, and it was this guy who he was a pagan guy and he would turn into a goat and he would have a like a sleigh but with goats, and he would take away children <laughs> if they were bad, and he was like the antithesis of crack like he
0: was <laughs> <laughs> he so was this just is the, the goat of no crack yeah riding his goat sleigh but he would like
2: he would take children away if they were bad so there was like an incentive to be good not be, for presents but because you were going to be kidnapped
0: as opposed to our Santa who just if you're bad he just encourages the further use of fossil fuels
2: yes exactly which not a good thing not yeah good thing, we no. should protect the environment should Protect the
0: environment, not take coal
2: eventually they did switch it over but I went to Lapland recently about two years ago and it's the greatest thing I've ever done I cried for about 20 minutes did after go, I Time? Yeah, I met Santa and I cried and I couldn't cope with my life. It was just an <laughs> emotional wreck. But on the way to see Santa Claus, you go through this like little hallway of horrors yeah. where you see all these depictions of Yowlobóki and he's got this like creepy goat like thing. It's a little bit like the Ren boys kind of dressed up in like...
1: Oh, we, we talk about Ren boys. Yeah, we... <laughs> we, we be talking about Ren boys.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit terrifying and you have to go through this like awful hallway and then you're around the corner and Santa Claus is there, so it's fine. But yeah, you got to go through that creepy bit first to get to him but yeah it's a, kind of it's a, a different metaphor holiday. for life really isn't it you mm-hmm. yeah isn't go it? through
0: the creepy bit <laughs> <you> know,
1: <laughs> get to the sound of it. i have two questions about yellow um he's a goat riding a chariot with other goats
2: he's not a goat when he's riding the chariot i think he turns does into he a have goat. a goat head he, he does Is he a, like the meta goat kind of a creepy sort of goat it's like not like a cute goat like a scary goat like like yeah like, kind of I like, like puck fair kind of goat like the guy at the
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah okay and my second question yeah, is uh, i was thinking when i heard yowl puki, i was thinking obviously either Puka or a, a puck the actual goat as well or possibly Puka. i was thinking yowl puki, maybe there's not there's a connection between Puka or
2: puck there. i mean yeah he would probably if we had him in ireland he might be a Puka um or a she or something uh but yeah there's definitely a connection between puck and Puki. Um that's just a Finnish way of pronouncing it differently, I'd imagine. Um Puki. Yeah, Puki. Mm. Uh but yeah, there it's it's quite when you said it to me that Yule and Puka, I, I thought it was quite nice and I do like when there's connections like that between the two languages. Um but yeah, he's uh he's n- he's no crack. And I think he would be definitely <laughs> a Puka or a She if he was in Ireland.
1: In anyway. Ireland, of course, he is Daddy Nanuluk. He is Daddy Nanuluk or I think
0: I was talking about this on Twitter with a few Irish-speaking friends, and it, it seems that Daddy Nanog is quite a recent way of describing Santy, yes, or Sandy Claus, uh, as he would have been, and and it comes directly from the English Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, my grandmother in Waterford she's uh, she's in her nineties now, and she would still refer to Santy as Father Christmas, which is quite unusual among Irish people to say Father Christmas. It's very common in Britain, but not as not as common yeah. here. But yeah, Daddy Noel kind of a recent um retrofit of it's the name. It's not from Père Noël, no. Just, it, it doesn't come directly from Père Noël, no. The the Daddy Noel definitely the influences from is from Father Christmas from the British.
1: And uh, because well, we do have saint Nicholas as well.
0: San Nicholas, yeah, yeah, but more commonly these days you go to Connemara it's
1: Santi. Yeah. S A N T I Father. Santi, not Santa, Santi. Santi. Yeah. Santi chart
0: yeah
2: I like that more so because it's it's unique to Ireland even in English we I would as a child always it was Senti Senti yeah, yeah always Senti and yeah. I quite like because I think it's unique to Ireland that you don't hear other countries call it Santa Claus in in the US or the UK it'd be Father Christmas or, or Santa mm-hmm. but yeah I quite like that it's it's a little bit Irish and unique to us
1: I have another Yulapuki question
0: okay go for I it I think we
1: all have lots oh. of Yulapuki <laughs> questions but it's, it's how do we formulate them <laughs> <laughs> on the on the Finnish news, do we get out uh, do the does do the newscasters give an account of Ullapukki's current movement?
2: Um, I, they don't. It's it's a different system. So in Finland, uh. Yo, Yolo Puki doesn't come in the way he comes to us. He comes physically to your house. You, he visits you, so he will arrive to your house and he comes up the stairs on to your house and comes in and puts the presents there and you can see him and then he leaves. And then everyone's a little bit frightened because it's Yolo <laughs> and the kids kind of stay away from him. And he doesn't say much, and he just comes and he goes. And he comes on New Year, or Christmas Eve, obviously because he's in Finland and it's that's where he lives. So in Lapland up there in the North Pole. So it's easier to go there first mm-hmm. and then he goes to the rest of the world. So he goes to the kids' houses in, in Finland. um. So they don't track his movements because he doesn't leave technically Finland, ah. you know, the way he leaves um, other for other countries. But yeah, that's how they do it there. It's a little different and... They are not as big into Christmas as well, they're definitely not as big into Christmas as I am. I think I was the most <laughs> excited person about Christmas <laughs> when I lived in Finland. Um they're quite excited about the Christmas kind of Christmas markets and Gluggy, it's like their mulled wine, but it's mulled vodka. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and like uh what are they in English? Those little gingerbread crackers. Um they have those together, they're quite nice. And they're into that kind of thing, less so much the the kind of Christmas they put up their Christmas tree. Like the day before Christmas. So they're not that into it.
0: I can can get down with that. (laughs) I can get down
1: with that. We have our tree up already. I mean,
0: yeah, it's, it's the 22nd of December or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the 22nd of December. So, yes, absolutely. Um, one of the
1: things I'm sure, hopefully, maybe some of the people listening can relate to this is when your first Christmas, when you have a child who is of crawling age, who likes grabbing stuff and shaking stuff and throwing stuff around and laughing at it. It's interesting. But at the moment, um, so far, Serena has been very well behaved around the tree and the tree has been well, very well behaved and La Serena, they've they've earned each other's respect, yeah. and it's been a wonderful. a mutual thing respect between her
0: and the tree is the way to do it like yeah
1: I think so. So that's a big thing.
0: I love Christmas. I genuinely love Christmas but I come across as a Scrooge because I just hate doing all the things. (laughs) I love Christmas more than any other time of the year. I love the weather. I love being close to family and around a roaring open fire and visiting friends. I love going for scoops on Christmas Eve more than anything else in the whole world. Uh, But yeah, I don't like putting up my Christmas tree. It's a pain in the rear end. I don't even have a, I don't get a real Christmas tree. We have a plastic one in the attic that we've used for the last 10 years because it's just easier that way.
2: My favorite thing to do, putting up a Christmas tree. I did mine in my I can apartment pay you in to Dublin. Do mine. I will. You don't. I will pay you to let me do that. <laughs> yes.
1: Deal done. That could be a thing, like the Boy Scouts who put up people's tents at uh, at oxygen. Yeah, but you'll do a good job.
0: Yeah, I will. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't want your input. I don't want you to be near <laughs> like you would wreck it. I need creative control.
1: <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. Don't flip.
3: Hello. Podcaster, podcaster, yeah, that's the, okay, that's the one, we got it,
0: (laughs) hi, wait there, hi, my name is, hello, I don't know why I'm sounding American, hi, I'm Alison Spittle. this is my actual accent, I present the Alison Spittle Show, you can hear that every Wednesday on the, every, not every Wednesday, don't, don't be too keen, you can hear that every second Wednesday on the, uh,
1: Headstuff Podcast Network, which you can hear on headstuff.org. Thank you. I want to ask people their favourite Christmas-related Irish words.
2: Oh, I have one, and I don't like it, to, <laughs> in reality, but I love the word. It's maróg which is Christmas pudding. Oh, that's nice. I just love it,
0: put is a pudding, yeah. usually, but at at a Christmas time, it's a meaty, line, it's, meaty, it's meaty a, pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a marognolak. Yeah, I, love it. I
2: like that. It's quite nice.
4: Another quite good one is plieskog nolak, which means Christmas cracker. That's quite good because plieskog is explosion, isn't it? So yeah. like, yeah. that's really yeah. no it really gets the uh, energy little Christmas
0: exploder. Yeah, yeah Christmas exactly. bomb. I like that. Plieskog is a feminine word. <gasps>
2: Mm. Yeah I yeah, like that oh, Explosive <laughs> mm. yeah, No gender stereotypes there is <laughs> there <laughs>
0: <laughs> My favourite Christmas related word actually doesn't relate to Christmas day It relates to the day after Which some people from some cultures call St Stephen's Day Some people from some cultures call Boxing Day mm-hmm. And in Irish it's Lawn Drollin usually so Laundroline is my favorite one the mm-hmm. Ren day and uh, you know you mentioned we talk about the, the, the Ren boys earlier on one of my favorite Christmas traditions doesn't happen on Christmas Day but I love when the ran boys are going hunting for the ran as mm-hmm. I called it growing up in Dublin um but I just I think it's fantastic we, we started to revive the tradition in Clondalkin, where I'm from over recent years so it's great you just go for a pint on Stephen's day and the ran boys come into the pub looking to collect it's like it's like the old Dublin Christmas tradition of looking for help for the Halloween party, yeah. you know what I mean? Only imported to Christmas, uh, or to Stephen's Day, the Ren day. And I love it, love it, fantastic, because it, it, there's crack, there's music, there's dancing, there's all sorts of shenanigans. And you just try and help the lads have a sesh. It's good,
1: and the, the round itself is a um, clearly has profound pagan roots, it's the trickster god.
0: Yeah, it is. Pagan roots and kind of in a microcosm why we celebrate Christmas at this time of year is because of the December solstice in and around the 21st or 22nd, the shortest day of the year, the death of the old sun, the birth of the new sun, Lou returning to the earth and rising again the next morning. Uh, so that was that was the festival. It was, it was the you're halfway between Samhain and Imbolc, so you're halfway mm-hmm. through the darkest period where you're relying on your stores, you can't eat fresh meat, you can't eat fresh vegetables, you've put all your food away. In the old Celtic times, you put all your food away for the winter, you're surviving off that, and this marks halfway. You're nearly on your way back to being able to mm. plant again. And uh, we've imported it then, so when when Christianity came, they said, well, we need to celebrate something around this time to take it off them. And likewise, the Wren, um, it was the trickster god. it was the embodiment of, uh, you know, the trickster god in Mani, Loki, for example, in the Norse tradition, the, Nor- the, um, the, the Norse and Danish tradition, which Huge influence here in Ireland. Um, uh, and, uh, and then they came up with some silly story about how the Wren was hiding in a bush when St. Stephen was martyred or something mm-hmm. like that. So that's why it's now a Christian tradition as well.
1: This is the thing that the the early Christians, what they did was they created stories that are metaphors for Christianity, defeating paganism, like St. Patrick killing snakes and St. Stephen being shopped out by Wren. The other big Irish connection special Irish connection to Christmas is Cromwell banned Christmas Did he? He did What a You know why Sorry Brian. <laughs> Jeez, I was
0: annoyed when he murdered every man, woman and child in Drogheda but banning Christmas now that's just too far
2: It wouldn't like it doesn't surprise me one bit though it sounds like something Cromwell would do oh yeah and you're not having Christmas either to Heather <laughs> and no Christmas It's
0: like that line in uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves
1: Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. Speaking of which, what is your favourite Christmas films?
2: I have a lot of feelings on this, but I actually watched my favourite Christmas film yesterday. I had every intention of being productive yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then I turned on the TV and Miracle on 34th Street was on. <gasps> which and the newer version, the 1994. Yeah. No joke. That is the reason I wanted to become a lawyer. Like I wanted to save Santa Claus. Like now, subsequently, I have not become a lawyer. Did study law, but didn't go down that route. <laughs> and uh, watching it now, I can't get past the evidential law, like holes in that plot like why why did they have Santa Claus defend himself what kind of archaic system is this but anyway that was genuinely my favourite Christmas movie of all Christmas movies I love it
1: the original one does appear to have been a satire on the legal system the actual way that that the law is presented I mean well it's great that we won and, and and Obviously, Maureen Harris in it—that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. it's uh its an interesting film. I, re- I recently read uh, Mara Wilson's uh, autobiography. Oh, she, she she's fascinating. The, she was really fascinating, yeah. and particularly talking about that film.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. that the newer version is more a commentary on late-stage capitalism than
1: on the <laughs> American legal system. But it is—it's it's very interesting. Yeah, I like the movie. How about you, Glodo? Favorite Christmas film or Christmas a film that you that tends to be on at Christmas time?
4: Probably either Elf or Love Actually. I'm not gonna lie, I think Love Actually is great because it counts down right from the beginning of the Christmas period. It's like eight weeks to Christmas, seven mm-hmm. weeks, to, and it's like you can watch it in November without feeling guilty or without being like given out of being too Christmassy too soon. Not that you can ever be too Christmassy too soon, but you know, <laughs> apparently you can.
1: The um are our- Tishuk also enjoys that film, I believe.
2: Really? Oh yeah, I've heard that. It yeah. was the, it, apparently, it was
1: the reason he wanted to become a prime minister was so he could visit 10 Downing Street. Patters <laughs> fuming here in the corner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, um, you, don't, you don't get to shit on just, him no, I don't, I don't, when I don't, you took
0: selfies with him. him. He did, I did, I did. He came to our pop-up crowd, I took a selfie with him. He walked in the door, I gave him a sign, I said, hold that. Snap, took you a selfie. No, no, listen, sell out. Hey, I would, <laughs> hey, I will sell anything. And I have no crowds here. It's just like, there, there was a little bit of an embarrassment. It was his first trip abroad as Taoiseach. He went to Downing Street and said, what do you think about the importance of being v- voted into Downing Street? And he says, it's quite like Love Actually. That's my favourite film. I was like, ah! Oh. <laughs> but that said, fair play to him. He but he's came so to...
2: relatable.
0: He is so relatable. Those socks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look, Leo came to our pop-up and he stayed for hours and he spoke in Irish and he hung out. He was great. He was really cool. So fair play And I'm not even going to yeah. criticise him. My favourite Christmas movie, LA Confidential. What? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I it, it is a large portion of a set at Christmas it huge is portion. Very good. it's a great movie. It's fantastic. A critical portion of it and similarly my my would mine would be die hard. Die hard. Mm. Yeah.
2: I have a fundamental issue with people who say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Let's hear we'll it. move on from Die Hard that. is it's a not Christmas a Christmas movie. It just takes place at the Christmas period and is on TV at a Christmas time.
1: But okay. It's um, about a
0: man who sacrifices himself so that others may live.
2: But you can watch it at any time of the year. You can watch okay. Elf at any time of the year. Yeah, but like it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> so
1: would you put it like in the sound of music category? Yes. Yeah, sound I would, of music yeah. isn't Christmas, so it's a Christmas movie, socio Christmas Mary
2: Poppins, like you can watch that at any time. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. Those are. You don't get your Your favourite <laughs> movies is wrong. Okay, your opinions what? are wrong. I always <laughs> associate
1: James Bond movies at Christmas. Really? Yeah, There's always a James Bond movie or six on a Christmas time. <laughs> I associate them with bank holidays.
2: Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. RT always take the biscuit and put on like five
1: on a bank holiday. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's on this bank? Oh, Gold Night again. Yeah, yeah, misogyny,
2: just more misogyny. More sure.
1: <laughs> so in Die Hard, obviously, uh, Bruce Willis' character is John McLean. Is MacLean in this context a student? Or is McLean, has this been this interpreted two ways, the surname?
0: Yeah, so it has, and it depends on whether you believe it's Scottish or Irish. And, mm-hmm. I mean, look at him. Obviously, he's Irish. So <laughs>
1: cool. Sister Teresa called me Mr. McLean in the third grade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but he is. He's an, he's an Irish Catholic cop, Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's, a, he's um uh, look, like, so many Irish police characters in the States he's kind of a relatable everyman I think though the problem is like Die Hard 1 is brilliant Die Hard 2 is pretty brilliant as well and still a Christmas movie as well mm-hmm. I think once they started moving them away from Christmas that fundamental connection with the spirit of goodwill to all men um, once they started to move them away it started to weaken yeah, like, Die that, Hard with that a Vengeance is issue. still a good movie Sure,
2: it was the issue they didn't bring in the mm. Christmas that was the problem That was the problem <laughs> They kept
0: it grounded by keeping it at Christmas time you know Die Hard was a beautiful Franchise While mm. it was related To Christmas And the more recent Die Hards have been God awful
2: Do you want to hear My Finland connection To Die Hard Yes, yes. yes. Finnish director <laughs> Directed it And in it There's a lot of uh, Finland like Easter eggs So they're drinking Finlandia vodka And there's a Contributor on a TV show He's like Oh yeah The the hostages might have Helsinki syndrome as opposed to Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> oh yeah, that's
1: right. Is yeah, the, I thought. Yeah, the, the, the Helsinki Syndrome. I heard that because it was, yeah. it was a Finnish director for the second one, wasn't it? Yeah, a Finnish and...
2: director for the first one, also, yeah, I believe. Um, I'm not sure.
0: Maybe.
1: Okay. Possibly. Maybe not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I thought not, it was John McTiernan the... who directed. Yeah, I've no idea. Movie. But um,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, there's uh, a. Yeah. I
1: remember Helsinki Syndrome actually, and yeah. because then it's someone actually corrects him when he says it's and isn't Helsinki Sweden? It's Helsinki Finland? Yeah,
2: it's like, yeah, Chris. that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You can't watch that movie in in Finland, but I getting a running commentary of all of the things that are like mildly related <laughs> to Finland. oh yes this is also a Finnish person
0: <laughs> <laughs> just a Finnish friend slapping on your shoulder and
2: here here this this
1: <laughs> so you're still with us thanks very much for staying with us. for the last few moments of this podcast I would like to talk about something that's important to us all some people find the Irish language hard sometimes they mention the Mokoneelic as being something that's difficult and I agree in that I think conditional tenses can be extremely frustrating. In particular, sometimes they're used for making excuses. And we hear so many excuses when we talk about something that affects people in own homelessness. I think that it's quite possible that we can all do a little more to help the homeless crisis that's affecting Dublin at the moment. So I want to talk about some of the issues that we've looked at. Things things about being homeless or problems faced by homelessness that you may not even thought of and finish up by sharing the names of some agencies who might help sometimes I've met people who've enjoyed the podcast and they've said I'd love to buy a pint and instead of buying me a pint maybe you could donate the cost of a pint to one of the agencies we're going to name at the end of the show Banner being homeless is expensive
0: yeah yeah it's this is the, the kind of the problem and it, it, it speaks to um a, a a social theory called cumulative disadvantage. And the idea is if you're disadvantaged to the point where you're homeless, then you need to eat and you can't afford to cook at home because you don't have a stove top. You might be in emergency accommodation. You might be in a shared hostel. You might be living at a friend's house where you don't have full access to the kitchen and the like. So you've got to eat out or you've got to get takeaway. You've got to do something like that. It's worse for you and it's worse on your pocket as well. You've got to spend more time, more money, more efforts to try and, and get into your own accommodation. And then, of course, we all know the price of accommodation right now and how difficult it is to get to that stage where you're there. But it's this idea that if you're lucky enough, if you're privileged enough to have a home, to be well off, relatively speaking, it's actually going to cost you less to maintain it than it is going to cost somebody to maintain a life of homelessness and that constant effort and disappointment. And, you know, there's a lovely little passage in um, one of the uh, one of the Discworld books. Um, it's, the, it's the Sam Vimes' um, boots theory of socioeconomic unfairness, where, you know, if you can only afford a $10 pair of boots you're going to go through 10 pairs a year but if you're rich enough to afford a $50 pair of boots that's going to last you all year and you only have to spend $50 so I'm twice as wealthy as you but I get away with 50% of the footwear costs and that's why if you're already ahead you're going to stay ahead and if you're behind it's so difficult to do it and And homelessness is one of those things you fall into that trap it's it's incredibly difficult to get out of it so I was I was so privileged and and, and honoured to be able to work with Home Sweet Home this time last year, uh, up in Apollo House uh, for a few short weeks, and just to see the work that they were doing to try and get, get people not to do things for uh, the homeless but to do things with the homeless and help them to create community because in Irish it strikes me that there's two ways of describing homelessness. We can say gandíðan, which means without shelter and that kind of speaks to the immediacy of homelessness there's somebody who needs like a rough sleeper or someone, gandíðan, without shelter but there's also another term that I prefer to use and it's it's díhravachas and if you're díhravachas or, or you're, you know, that you're without a tribe you're without a community. You're without that support network around you, and that's that's the key in trying to tackle homelessness. It's not, it's not about doing the leg up or giving someone a little bit or helping them. You know, uh, so it's it's about giving somebody the support network, giving them the the bridge to be able to overcome that massive chasm between housed and unhoused, homeless and 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 with a home.
1: And just in terms of the actual cost, you know, say if someone was evicted or they came to the end of a tenancy or they or particularly if they if they left a destructive relationship but having to come up with maybe two months of a deposit and rent can be an issue there's never a good time to get homeless but often people tend to become homeless at the, at the worst time of their lives there's more to homelessness than sleeping rough, Gara
2: Yeah, and I think you, you touched on a really important issue there that, um, you know, there is sometimes vicious cycles when it comes to homelessness. Um, you mentioned people in destructive relationships and that's one of the, the huge issues. Um, I know women's aid talk a lot about it, but it's not just a women's problem. You know, it can be both men, women or, and everything in between that sometimes there is a choice between homelessness and being in a, an abusive relationship. Another issue that's close to my heart is um, obviously, uh, you know, women's issues are important and when people are donating uh, for homeless charities and it's fantastic that they do, but they donate money, they don't eat clothes, they don't eat food, but they forget about the fact that there are so many women on the streets who are homeless and Things that we take for granted, like sanitary towels and tampons, um, that are so readily available but are pretty expensive. They are not donated, and there's a really good initiative around Dublin now. Um, there's some nail salons actually around the the city who are engaged in. Um, I know Tropical Popical um have a collection for sanitary towels and other kind of like feminine hygiene products uh, to collect. Which is, you know, if you are considering donating, also consider that aspect of it as well because it's not just clothes and and food and also i think another issue that that is important if if you know, if you are homeless or if you're, you know, in emergency accommodation, but you're trying out for a new job, you want to look, you know, particularly for a woman, you want to look presentable. You want to have makeup, but makeup is really expensive. So do consider if you have makeup that you don't use, um, or lightly use makeup. Obviously, there's uh, hygiene issues, but if it's lightly used, you can donate that. Most most shelters will take that. So con- consider donating the stuff that you don't use. I know I have a load of stuff that I don't use, um, so donate that too because it is getting back on your feet is a bit important issue as well.
0: There's also a brilliant campaign called dress to impress, which is uh, run by some fabulous women who just came up with exactly that. When you're trying to get over that hump and out of out of homelessness, out of poverty of any kind of description, um, you know, the first impression you make at a job interviewer with a prospective landlord is incredibly important. So, Mm. um, yeah, they've done this amazing thing, dress to impress, where they can provide barely used business wardrobes for women to to kind of make that leap. And it's really, really brilliant.
1: So people forget about how the important, I suppose, being interviewed by a landlord now is as well as just having actually the money up front and coming in, particularly now, there's so much quick money to be made in short term without naming any businesses, short term holiday accommodation.
0: Yeah, there's, there's there was a city councillor who said a couple of months ago it's a crazy situation where because of short-term letting agencies for holidays, we have tourists in houses and homeless people in hotels and it just doesn't make
1: any sense and it's unsustainable. Completely. The um, There is a language issue around homelessness, Clodagh, that not everybody has agreed on what the word homeless actually means.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of people who would believe that homelessness really only means that you are without a home in general. But there is an actual act that has been established that um, clarifies the difference between sleeping rough versus homeless. Uh, The 1988 Act. A person shall be regarded by a housing authority as being homeless for the purposes of this act if... There is no accommodation available which, in the opinion of the authority, he, together with any other person who normally resides with him, or who might be reasonably expected to reside with him, can reasonably occupy or remain in occupation of, or, B, he is living in a hospital, county home, night shelter, or other such institution, and is so living because he has no accommodation of the kind referred to, and he is, in the opinion of the authority, unable to provide accommodation from his own resources. So it's, it's quite hard to qualify as homeless. Mm. It's ridiculous when you think about it.
1: It's quite a mouthful as well. And the fact that some agencies don't even use that definition or use a different definition as well can mean that this, it can be easy for someone to, to actually meet one definition of homelessness and not another. And particularly the big issue I find is in the very early stages of homelessness, a person mightn't think that the services are for people like them. When people are in a point of crisis in their lives, it can often be the worst possible time to deal with um the nuances of bureaucratic language.
0: Yeah, the last thing you want to be doing when you hit a crisis point in your life, like losing a job, leaving a relationship, particularly a violent relationship, or, you know, through bereavement, you might end up on your own. Uh, The last thing you want to be doing is filling out forms and engaging with this uh, bureaucracy, even though it's, it's vital, it's important. Obviously, can't, you know, homeless agencies and charities can't just provide accommodation left, right and centre there has to be some kind of paperwork around it but people don't get it and you hit the nail on the head when you say a lot of people don't realise it's for them you know, they end up staying with their parents until that becomes unworkable and they stay on couches of friends and then before you realise that you've burned all your bridges you've nowhere to go and you're neck deep in homelessness and you haven't taken the first step to try and assuage that problem so yeah, it's, it's a real, real tragic thing
1: I know some of my colleagues and some of my friends and people like that have given out about charity muggers, chuggers, uh, charity collectors on the street. And if you don't if you don't like them, I would encourage you to support charities directly and show that the business model of actually going to the website and donating directly works. It can't hurt. Mm-hmm. And I would now, before we go, I'd like to mention a few agencies who might help. I'm going to give the contact details on the websites. And I'm going to start with Focus Ireland which is focuson.ie, and they have a direct donation line, which is 1850 204 205.
2: And then there's the Peter McFerry Trust, who do some great work, and you can visit their website at www.pmvtrust.ie, or their contact number is 018230776.
4: And there's also Simon Communities, they're also a fantastic organisation, and you can contact them on simon.ie.
0: And uh, emergency accommodation in Dublin, a lot of it is provided by Merchants Quay, so if you ever spot anyone in crisis, any rough sleepers or anything like that, you can reach Merchants Quay at mqi.ie or 524 0139.
1: And finally, there's an agency, Inner City Helping Homeless, uh, which is entirely volunteer run and they receive no government support at the moment and their website is www.innercityhelpinghomeless.ie so thank you for allowing me to go on this um, additional talk i want to thank everyone for supporting the show all through the year and i hope you all have a wonderful christmas take care yourselves and each other and we look forward to talking to you in 2018
4: nalukana
0: nalukana hain because
1: Ho, ho, ho. Dar again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It means a lot to us. If you have enjoyed the show, please do like it and rate it and review it on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. And subscribe and tell your friends all about it. If you have any questions, queries, comments, corrections, or conundrums for the show, you can contact us by email at motherfucklore at headstuff.org or on Twitter at motherfucklore. Thank you so much to Brian. For producing the episodes this year, and Kirsten Shield for doing the artwork. Mother Folklore comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you can't wait that long for your podcast fix, Headstuff makes some other shows. May I recommend, for example, the Allison Spittle Show, in which the West Me The Wonder Woman talks to a different interesting person each week or fortnight, whenever she feels like it basically. So thank you for all your support during the year, and Nolik Hona this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: No trade unions allowed at the North Pole.